If you're interested in sponsoring an episode of Scripture First, please send our co-director, Sarah Stenson, an email, or visit us at lutherhouseofstudy.org. You can find Sarah's email in the show notes. Also, we would like to say a special thank you to Tim and Connie Larson for sponsoring this week's episode. The one thing we have stronger than the wrath of God is the mercy of God. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. In this week's lectionary text, we're nearing the end of the Gospel of Mark, where Jesus is discussing the end times with his disciples. He says to them that all of the large buildings they see will be destroyed in the end. And naturally, the disciples ask Jesus for a sign of when this will happen. Luther House of Studies co-director Sarah Stenson teaches us in this text that when Jesus is talking about the end times, we don't have to be afraid. We still live in a world under God's wrath, under the law. But the key is that we know the promise that's bigger than God's wrath. It's God's mercy delivered through Jesus Christ. I can't wait to share this week's very interesting conversation with you. But first, here's Mark chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. As he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings? Then Jesus asked him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. When he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will this be, and what will be the sign that all these things are about to be accomplished? Then Jesus began to say to them, Beware that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he, and they will lead many astray. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is still to come. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. This is but the beginning of the birth pangs. And now on to this week's conversation. Welcome back to Scripture First. This week we have Sarah Sensen with us. Thanks for being here, Sarah. Thank you. So we are back in Mark uh, this week, Sarah. For the last two weeks, we've been in John. Back in Mark. Back in Mark, exactly. Uh, And so it's a little shorter. It's a little more uh, uh, terse. Uh, Stories moving a little quicker. Uh, uh, But we're in the 13th chapter, which means we're kind of at the end of the gospel. Uh, And so we have this story, but uh, can we have some context just to start? Where are we at? Yep. We're, well, verse one, we're coming out of the temple. Sure. So Jesus is coming out of the temple and the disciples. So he's been doing some 
teachings. I think the one just before this text is the the widow or the widow's mite. Sometimes it's known as. But this, these specific verses, this one through eight, it's just the beginning of a much lengthier statement Jesus makes about what is going to happen. And so sometimes people will say like the end times or the signs of the end of the ages. It'll, it's framed differently, but this is the first eight verses of Jesus' discussion about that. Before we really start to dive in, I just have a quick question about vocabulary. In previous weeks, we've been talking about how people describe Jesus. Um, And here, to kind of kick it off, the disciples said to him, look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings? Is this the right vocabulary for them to be using with him? Because I know in the past um, weeks, there have been wrong vocabulary about Jesus. Oh, I'm not sure I'd say wrong vocabulary, um, even in the past weeks. He he was a teacher. So when they say, and I don't, I can look up the Greek here. I don't know if it's rabuni, which can be actually a sign Didaskalos. of great respect. Okay, so literally teacher. Yeah. Okay. Because that's actually just to teach. That's what that means. So that is what he was just doing in the temple, kind of functioning as a teacher. And of course, we know much more than that too. But I wouldn't read too much into the title they're giving him okay. at this point, except maybe to say they're calling him teacher and not uh, son of David, as we've heard in other texts. So there's it's still not an a elevation. messianic term. Yeah, there's still an elevation in calling someone a teacher, though. Well, of course. Well, of course. <laughs> yes. Uh, so great say, respect. Yeah, great. Uh, look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings? This is what I say when I travel. Uh, <laughs> You're so enlightened. Or look, Allie. Uh, yeah, that seems like this. This is not. Let's just say not a famous verse. No. <laughs> look, it teacher, isn't. what large stones and what large building? Look and it just seems like a strange the, thing I mean, Christ, to be in the gospel. Yeah, it is Christ's an response. oddly. In. Exactly. The the next couple of verses, though, I think are much more familiar because it kind of catches our ear like, oh, yeah, that's right. We have to look for signs. That's what we're going to do. But it is, I actually, I always think of um, my what large stones you have, <laughs> what large building. It kind of sounds like what large feet you have. Exactly. <laughs> the big bad wolf. It reminds me of big wolf. So it's simply an entree now for Jesus to say, oh, do you see these great buildings, these large buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon one, upon another. All will be thrown down. And so with that uh, response to the observation about the large buildings, which is an odd observation, I will give you that, um, that's how we, Jesus now starts to move them into the kind of the meaty part of this conversation. But what one of the things we need to keep in mind here is... Even now, when we look around, oh, what beautiful buildings, or in a city, the skyscrapers, or old built, whatever it is that kind of catches your eye as an individual, these are all actually idols. When you start to say, oh, what a beautiful building, look what, and so what Jesus is starting to say here now is, it's all going to be destroyed. And of course, they hear that as threat, we hear that as threat, but as we talk through the rest of this text, um, we're actually going to talk about that that is not a threat, that's a promise. So there is a sense that uh, time it's time passes because the, the when he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, so either uh, we don't know the conversation or they were just like 
we were just making observation about the buildings and now we mm, right <laughs> like, all right they're gonna be thrown down uh, okay <laughs> moving no on comment, they, no yeah no uh but they i mean they're curious about this and so they asked the next question tell us when will this be and what will be the sign that all these things are about to accomplish which is something you would ask if someone just told you all of this will be destroyed i mean yeah yeah it's Absolutely. a it's a natural lead-in it is it's a fair question <laughs> yeah. under it's the good, circumstances yeah, yeah. so one one quick thing we want to pick up on is the Greek word for sign there is semion, which is typically it means a miraculous sign. And it's especially given to confirm or authenticate. Um, so it's used a lot in the New Testament to authenticate God, what God is doing, and that this is not something man can can replicate or take credit for. So that semion is, is I think, a key here. What will be the 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 sign, the miraculous sign that all these things are about to be accomplished. And of course, these things is the destruction of these great, beautiful buildings. Are they asking that out of curiosity or self-preservation? It doesn't say. I think you could certainly, certainly read it either way. And I'm not sure maybe you'd even make a distinction between the two. It might kind of be... Asking for a friend, what would be the sign to look for? Because they are also, I'm sure, kind of caught short. Like, what do you mean? Not one stone be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. Yeah. Destruction, death. Yep. And we just talked about that in depth last week with Dr. Krogan. Okay, good. What are some of the signs from the Old Testament that they would have would have been familiar with? That they're like they know enough to ask that what is going to be a sign. So like, is it like the burning bush or is like what are some of the other signs that they the disciples would have been familiar with in this? Well, anything question? from the Old Testament they would have known, but that's not necessarily what they mean here. Like, is there going to be an Old Testament? You know, from our scriptures is how they would have thought, not Old Testament. So I think I think it's the way I read this is more of a kind of the natural question will tell us when will this be? When is this going to happen? And how are we going to know mm-hmm. this is about to happen, that this, all of this will be accomplished. So I'm reading it more, not in a confirming the old Testament or the, their scriptures understanding, but more of a, give us a heads up what are we supposed to look for and watch mm. for so we know it's about to happen? Yeah. Which is, by the way, how it's going to land in our congregation's ears too. And my guess is even in your ears when you first were reading this text or Kira was reading it just before we started recording, and you're like, well, yeah, what should we look for? And how are we going to know when this destruction, when the end is coming? So the, um, the rest of the, the text is uh, uh, Christ's response. Yes. Uh, and it sorts of start, start off as a strange response to this question, beware that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he, and they will not lead many astray. And it seems to be almost a non-answer to the question. It, it is certainly not a direct answer, um, but... It is the key to what his what he's saying here. So when Jesus says, beware, no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and they will lead many astray. What he's getting at here is watch out for deception. Do not be deceived. And of course, 
we know, and Jesus certainly knew this better than we do, that the only tool the devil has is deception, trying to lead people astray, trying to lead people away from Christ and Christ alone as our salvation. And so what Jesus was telling his disciples and is now effectively telling us is when we are afraid, when we are concerned, which is what he was rightfully hearing in the question, when will this be? What are we what are the signs we should look for that all this is about to happen? We don't actually start trying to, as we'll talk about now, look at the wars, the rumors of wars, nation against nation. No, we actually run to a preacher, mm-hmm. a true preacher who actually will deliver you Christ, not one who delivers more law and not not someone who's going to try to decipher the the wars or the economy or the upheaval in the United States or COVID or whatever it is that that uh, any Christian is going to turn to. That would actually be the leading people astray. This would be the deception and leading people astray that Jesus is talking about. Instead, we know the one thing we have when we are afraid or worried is Christ and Christ alone. He is your final identity. And then, then you actually can say, death, oh death, where is thy sting? And I think that's really helpful because like that, even looking th- and reading through this, I think that's people's initial reaction, especially in a day and age where everything is publicized via social media. Um, you get every single angle, every single perspe- perspective, and you don't know what to believe. So it's like, how do I know that the organization that I belong to is not brainwashing me? How do I know Luther houses and how do I know my church isn't? And so that I think that that's actually really helpful. And from what you were saying, it's the gospel hearing about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. Yes. Not anything for the law of us. It's sticking with scripture. It's the, what we call the law gospel distinction. The law is everything else in this text. The wars, the rumors, fear, alarm. What are the signs? Tell us, when will this happen? This is all the function of the law in our conscience. The gospel is just Jesus forgives you all your sin. Nothing more and nothing less. So, which is why I think it is critical to recognize the first thing Jesus says in response to their, uh, I mean, obvious alarm, because he says, do not be alarmed. So clearly they were alarmed. Their concern, their alarm. First thing he says is, beware that no one leads you astray that no one takes you away from me, Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as you've, you've said, uh, this gets to that, the reality of uh, what it means to live in the world, that there are still wars. Uh, nations uh, surely still rise against each other. History itself is an ended uh, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in very, various places. Uh, and in some ways, this helps uh, us describe what it means to live under the law. I mean, what, I mean, what Christ says, this is the beginning of the birth pangs, what it means to live in a world that's fallen. Right. Absolutely. And, and verse eight is what you're doing. Nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, earthquakes, famines. 
So, of course, to our ear, you're, we're naturally going to start thinking, oh, yeah, and COVID, and this is happening in this part of the world, and this is happening in that part of the world, and it must be now. It's got to be now. Every generation from we, the get-go has think got that. All this stuff is happening, and we think that we need to somehow stop it or improve it or... That's the temptation of the law that we need to iterate and make a better law. Oh right. my gosh, there's earthquakes. Well, we need to have earthquake-proof structures. Oh my gosh, there's wars. Like, well, we need to have campaigns for peace. And we're not saying that those things aren't good because we still have to live in the world. But Jesus is not giving us a prescription on how to live. No. He's holding up a mirror of this is what the world's going to look like and from he's here also, on out. He's also saying indirectly. And we can recognize this now openly. These things are the wrath of God on his own creation. Mm -hmm. He is God's wrath is exactly what Jesus is describing here. This must take place. This is God's wrath being leveled against his own creation. Romans 1 is a great place where we see that. So, so certainly we will never be able to somehow um, ameliorate the wrath of God. We cannot. But Jesus is saying all of these things, the end is still to come. But do not be alarmed. This must take place. And that this is every generation will suffer the wrath of God until finally Jesus does come. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. When he does finally come, and we are finally at the end, that Jesus says the end is still to come. At that point, we have no more wrath. We actually have no more faith because we have sight. Jesus is right there in front of us. But for now, we are experiencing God's wrath. And this is not unique to our time or our generation or your generation. It's not unique at all. It's literally the wrath of God. So we know then the one thing we have stronger than the wrath of God is the mercy of God, who came in the flesh, by the way, in the form of Jesus Christ. So we may get very hung up and fearful about these depictions, wars, rumor of wars, nations against nations, famines, earthquakes. And as Curie rightfully identified, we hear about things happening all over the world now instantaneously in a way they didn't 500 years ago, for example, when Luther thought the end was near, by the way. The reformers thought, okay, that's it, because they were looking around trying to read the tea leaves, actually. Almost every sane person thought the end is near. <laughs> they, every, always. Every, always. Because <laughs> it's the wrath of God. It, there is no, um, no generation yeah. who can somehow come out of living as a human, escaping the wrath of God. The only way you escape the wrath of God is death. Mm -hmm. So this whole text, while it seems threatening, alarming, oh my gosh, what are the signs? We have to look around. Actually is a tremendous promise because of Christ. And the promise is we can actually openly name 
the wrath of God. God is actually destroying his own creation. The only way you can actually be honest about that, though, and read a text like this as not something to be afraid of, not something to try to read the tea leaves about, is when you have Christ in your conscience, when you have his promise and know that wrath, God's wrath does not have the final word over you, his mercy does. And that mercy was promised to you in your baptism. And God cannot and does not lie. And on that note, we've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you to Sarah Stenson for teaching us that we still live in a fallen world under the law. There are still wars and natural disasters. These are the birth pangs. This is the wrath of God on his own creation. But Jesus says, don't be alarmed. We have the promise that's greater than God's wrath, and that promise is God's mercy. We have Christ in our conscience. His mercy has the final word over us, as promised in our baptism. Amen to that. Luther House of Study wouldn't exist without the generous support of people just like you. If you or your congregation is interested in sponsoring an episode of Scripture First, please send our co-director, Sarah Stenson, an email at sstenson at augie.edu. That's S-S-T-E-N-S-O-N at A-U-G-I-E dot E-D-U. You can find her email in the show notes or find more information about supporting Luther House of Study at lutherhouseofstudy.org. We also invite you to stay connected to the ministries that are happening at Luther House of Study by following our page on Facebook, subscribing to our newsletter, or watching our resource videos at lutherhouseofstudy.org. If you found our conversation helpful in understanding gospel texts, please send this episode to a friend or family member who you think would find it helpful, enjoyable, or interesting even if they've listened to the podcast before. We appreciate your grassroots support in spreading the good news. Thanks again for joining us this week. The end times are coming, and we don't have to fear. We'll see you next time on Scripture First. Scripture First.